the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. 66 books total in one Bible, written on three continents in three languages. Again, all of that over 1,600 years, and yet all of it fits wonderfully together without contradiction, all in harmony, and all of it to communicate one fundamental purpose, that God has a deep and everlasting love for mankind that He has expressed through His Son, Jesus Christ, who died on a cross to rescue us from our sins. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Jeremiah. We've been fed a lie about God, and many of us have let it settle deep into our hearts. We've been deceived into thinking He's a cruel, out-of-touch deity who would sooner strike us down than have anything to do with us. As Pastor Gary will explain in today's message, our God is the complete opposite. He's the very definition of love. Love doesn't exist apart from Him. His Word details His efforts to draw mankind into restoration and wholeness through His sacrificial love and grace. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 7, as he continues his message, Something to Boast About. Some people live their lives this way. They think that everything that they've accomplished, everything that they have, everything they own, everything, every place they've been, is all about themselves. And the warning for us in Scripture is stop all the boasting and make sure we see God's rightful place in our lives. Now, the Bible has a lot to say in warning about this problem, dare I say, this sin of boasting. And so when it comes to our boasting about ourselves, James writes in James 4.16 that all such boasting is evil. It's evil. It's sinful. For us to think that our lives are about ourselves as if God had nothing to do with it. Uh, furthermore, John writes in his epistle, 1 John 2.16, he says, For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. In other words, John is warning us that all this boasting, this is, the, this is the mindset of the world. This is not the way God has wired us or God desires for us to express ourselves or to have this attitude concerning life. This is a worldly mentality, the boasting in life of what one has and what one does. Paul will even remind us that 
when it comes to our very salvation. Don't think to ourselves that we've done anything to earn it or to deserve it because we have nothing to boast about. That's why he writes in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can what? Boast. There's to be no boasting in our lives. And Almost 2,000 years ago, Paul will also prophesy, when he writes to Timothy, and he talks about there's going to be certain characteristics of the culture leading up to the second coming of Christ. And he actually lists 19 characteristics, and, and they're all you know negative, terrible characteristics. But number three on the list is boasting. Here's what he says in 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 2, and then also verse 5. He says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days, talking about coming to the return of Christ. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. The list goes on through verses 3 and 4. And then in verse 5, he says at the end, have nothing to do with them. In other words, God's people should not be like this. And again, number three on the list is boastful. That's what we're talking about today. Why is boasting such a wrong thing? Why is it such a sinful thing? Well, three reasons why boasting is not good. It's just practical things I think that we can safely say is true about the problem of boasting. The first one is that boasting exposes insecurity. It really does. Boasting exposes a person's insecurity. The reason why people want to celebrate themselves, draw attention to themselves, brag about what they've done or who they are, is because honestly there's usually a void in their life that they are hoping others can fill with their praise. If you've ever been around someone like this, it's exhausting trying to fill an emotional hole that really, honestly, needs to be filled by the Lord. Because, you know, maybe growing up a person didn't get the kind of loving affirmation from their parents that would have been uh, nice to receive. Maybe they didn't get affirmation from a coach or from a teacher. And so, you know, then they end up growing up and subconsciously then they want everyone else in their lives to make up for that shortage. Truth is, and this is truth from a biblical perspective, truth is that unless a person's confidence or security comes from the Lord, you can compliment them all day long. But if they don't have their confidence and security in the Lord, at the end of the day, that person is still going to be starving for more affirmation. Now, of course, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. All of us need some affirmation to some degree, and all of us should be people who affirm others. The Bible commands us many places in Scripture to encourage one another. God wired us for relationships and friendships because God understands our, our need for being connected and loving and appreciating and affirming and encouraging one another. That should be part of our disposition towards each other. Uh, even, even words of affirmation uh, is one of the five love languages in the book by that same name. If you haven't ever read the book Five Love Languages by Dr. Gary Chapman, I encourage you to get it. Read it together if you're married. Read it together as a couple because it will help you understand how each person feels most loved. And, and you can dialogue about it. Uh, but, but you know, even words of affirmation is one of the love languages. It's not that it's a wrong thing to ever want or need affirmation. But there's a difference between uh, receiving affirmation that we all appreciate and soliciting affirmation by bragging about ourselves. 
There's a big difference between those two. Proverbs 27 verse 2 reminds us, let another praise you and not your own mouth, someone else and not your own lips. So number one, boasting exposes insecurity. Number two, boasting expresses pride. Whenever we talk about ourselves and boast about what we have or what we've done, it's the language of pride. John Calvin once said that pride is the pregnant mother of all sins. I mean, you you can trace just about any sin back to the root, which is often pride. And it certainly is the case when we talk about boasting. Because when a person is boasting, they are prideful because when a person boasts, the only person they're interested in honoring is no one else in the room except themselves. And by the way, whenever someone starts a conversation, starts a sentence trying to disarm you, By saying, now, I don't mean to brag, but get ready, they're going to brag. It isn't disarming at all. It's actually, you know, sounding the alarm like, okay, this person's about to really boast on themselves. You know, ask yourself, when you meet someone for the first time, are you more interested finding out about them? Or are you more interested telling them about yourself? Obviously, there are some exceptions to this. I, you know, it, let's not go extreme on, on the topic. I mean, obviously, if you're, if you're sitting down for a job interview and your prospective employer is asking you, give me your resume, tell me about your accomplishments, tell me about your achievements so that you can convince me I should hire you, there's a place and a time where you need to talk about yourself. Uh, if, if you're trying to get into a certain school that you want to get accepted to, that school is going to want, give me, give me your transcripts, give me your achievements, give me your accomplishments. They're asking for you to talk about yourself. Those, those obviously are necessary times when you might need to talk about yourself more than usual. But otherwise, the Bible reminds us, Philippians 2.3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility... Always consider others better than yourself. And number three, the the third reason why boasting is not good is because it exploits the glory that belongs only to God. It exploits the glory that belongs only to God. The word for boast in your Bibles there, or glory if you have a New King James Version, is the Hebrew word halal, H-A-L-A-L, halal. And that Hebrew word is actually used more than 80 times just in the book of Psalms to describe praise unto God. Because the word halal in Hebrew can translate to boast, to glory, to shine, or to celebrate. And more than 80 times that Hebrew word is used exclusively about the glory of God, about celebrating God, about shining the light on God. Psalm 18.3, for example, I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise. The word is halal. Psalm 34, 2, my soul, in my soul will boast in the Lord. The word boast there is halal. Psalm, Psalm 96, 4, for great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. Halal. So in other words, in essence, when man boasts about himself, when he celebrates himself, when he relishes in, in his wisdom, in his strength, in his wealth, What he's doing, in effect, is robbing God of the glory that is due his name. Because who do you think is the source of your wisdom, strength, and wealth, and everything else in your life? It is the Lord. And so when we begin to take credit, or when we begin to shine the light on ourselves or celebrate self, we are actually exploiting the glory that belongs exclusively to God. 
So then Jeremiah adds here in verse 24 in your Bibles, there in chapter 9, verse 24. This is why then he adds, so if you're going to boast, please just boast about the Lord. If you're going to celebrate someone, don't celebrate yourself. Celebrate the Lord. If you're going to glorify someone, don't glorify yourself. Glorify the Lord. So he says in verse 24, but let him who boasts, boast about this. Here's the first part of verse 24. That he understands and knows me that I am the Lord. So very first thing Jeremiah says, if we're going to boast about anybody, boast about the Lord, that we know and understand him. Now, the word to know in the Hebrew is yada, and it means experiential knowledge, that we actually know him by experience, not just theoretically. There are a lot of people who will say to you, I know God, but what they mean is, I know about God. Yeah, but do you know him? Do you understand that God is knowable? Mahatma Gandhi was wrong when he said once, God is that indefinable something that we all feel but which we cannot know. He was wrong. See, his whole understanding of God was very different from the God as he reveals himself in Scripture. God reveals himself in Scripture as powerful, awesome, majestic, creator, savior, and that he is personable and knowable. That we can know him in a personal, experientially know him. Not just theoretically in our heads, but know him in a personal way. Now the Apostle Paul says there are three primary ways that God has revealed himself to mankind by which he is knowable. In Romans 1 and 2, Paul says three ways that God is knowable. Through creation, through conscience, and through commandments. This is the way that God has revealed himself to us so that we might know him. First, let me just highlight these three very, very briefly. Creation. Creation. God has revealed himself through creation. Evolutionary theory actually contradicts the scientific law of cause and effect. Because the scientific law of cause and effect says that no effect can be greater than its cause. And yet, in evolutionary theory, it teaches that intelligent life sprang from non-intelligent matter. It's a violation of the scientific law of cause and effect. Truth is that intelligent life sprang from an even more intelligent designer who has revealed himself in the vast complexity, diversity, and interdependency of our universe. God is the grand designer, and he has revealed himself through creation. If we would simply look at creation, it screams creator. Listen, friends, despite, despite how academia wants you to believe otherwise, the, the, the reality is, just look at something as simple as a watch. A wristwatch is a complex thing. It's more complex than I certainly could, could make. Many of you would probably be able to design something like this. But when you look at a watch, nobody looks at a watch and thinks, boy, that accidentally came together. <laughs> Everybody looks at a watch and realizes there's a watchmaker. There's a manufacturer behind the watch. You, you look at a house. You look at, at, at our church building here. Everybody with any amount of intelligence looks at a building, looks at a house, and says, there's a designer behind that. There's an architect behind that. There's a builder behind that. It didn't just happen. If, when you look at your cell phone, if you look at a cell phone, it, it clearly says, there's a designer behind this who wants to gouge you out of thousands of dollars. <laughs> I mean, it's clear, right? So why is it then that when we look at creation, we're somehow supposed to check our brains at the door and say, oh, but there's no creator behind this. 
All the majesty and magnificence and vast complexity of our universe just all happened. It is an insult to our intelligence, my friends. God has revealed himself through creation. Paul writes in Romans 1, so that men are without excuse. It screams a divine designer. Number two is conscience. God has also revealed himself through conscience. He is knowable because he has placed within us an intuitive, instinctive understanding that there is a God in this universe. Because we are created in the image and likeness of God, he has planted within us an intuitive realization of his existence. Even among some of the most remote tribal people in the world, Without any exposure to the Bible, without any exposure to an understanding of God, there's this intuitive, instinctive thing, a part of our human nature, being all created in the likeness and image of God, that rises up to to find it necessary to worship something larger than ourselves. Case in point, the Melanesian people of the island of Vanuatu. It's a very remote island in the South Pacific. During World War II... Vanuatu Island was used as a staging area for the Allied troops. And, uh, and so they would make from time to time, uh, cargo planes would drop supplies to the soldiers on Vanuatu Island. The indigenous people saw this airplane coming out of the sky dropping supplies, and because it is instinctive in our nature that there's someone greater, something more magnificent that is the supplier of every good and perfect gift that comes from above, the Vanuatu people began to worship airplanes, and actually here's a picture of a modern group of people who have built this airplane out of sticks, and they worship it. Their religion is called, I'm not making this up, their religion is called the cargo cult. They worship a cargo airplane because they believe that it was the supplier from heaven of all these good and perfect things. Now, again, we would all agree it's misdirected worship, and and the gospel needs to go to the Vanuatu people. But the illustration is simply this, that instinctive in their hearts is this need to glorify and exalt and worship something greater than themselves as, as the giver of every good and perfect gift. It's just simply an illustration to make us aware. We have this innate, instinctive desire to worship the Creator. God has revealed Himself through creation. God has revealed Himself through conscience. Number three, God has revealed Himself through commandments. The Bible is given to us as the revelation of God. It is the revelation of God. The Bible is the most widely read, widely published, and widely circulated book in human history. It was compiled over a period of 1,600 years, written by 40 authors, 66 books total in one Bible, written on three continents in three languages. Again, all of that over 1,600 years, and yet all of it fits wonderfully together without contradiction, all in harmony, and all of it to communicate one fundamental purpose, that God has a deep an everlasting love for mankind that he has expressed through his son Jesus Christ who died on a cross to rescue us from our sins. That's the whole message of the Bible. And again, the beauty, think about it. 1,600 years, 40 authors, three languages, three continents, and all of it fits harmoniously together without contradiction. You couldn't get three reporters from the New York Times in the same room writing about the same story on the same day in the same language and all of it makes sense. 
Certainly not three reporters from CNN. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> Don't fight me for the mic. Anyway, I'm going to get back to the story. Is that too soon? Anyway, here we go. But the greatest, and the last thing that I'll share, the greatest way that God has revealed himself in a personal, knowable way, of course, is through his son, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1.3 says that the son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. The Bible says in John 1.14 that God took on flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus Christ is God who came to earth so that we would know him in a personal way, that he might die for our sins. Jesus said in John 14 verse 9, If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we can know this great grand creator of the universe in a very personal way. And when we do, we will realize how often we have believed a false narrative about God, that he is angry and vindictive and spiteful. No, Jeremiah says, if you're going to boast, boast in this, that you understand and know me, that I am the Lord, that I exercise kindness and justice and righteousness in the earth, for in these I delight. Do you know where justice, kindness, justice, and righteousness, do you know where all three of those converged? At the cross. At the cross. The Bible says it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Romans 5 verse 8 says that God demonstrated his love, kindness. The Hebrew word is chesed here in Jeremiah 9.24. Chesed, he demonstrated his love, his kindness. Romans 5, 8, he demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God didn't wait for us to get our act together before we were good enough to die for. Aren't you happy about that? He loved us in advance, knowing of our sinfulness, knowing of all the wicked things we've ever done, said or thought. And God says, I love humanity enough, I'm going to send my son. That's the demonstration of his love. And as justice was met on the cross, Isaiah 53, 5, because it tells us that the punishment intended for us, we all deserve justice. Because of our sin, we deserve justice. But the punishment intended for us was placed on Jesus, and by his stripes we're healed, Isaiah 53, 5. So God was just in that instead of judging us for our sins, he placed his judgment on his son who bore our sins for us. And then it was also the place of righteousness where righteousness would be displayed on the cross and then imputed to us by faith, 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who knew no sin, Jesus, to become sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Clean and forgiven. His kindness, his justice, and his righteousness all converged on the cross 2,000 years ago. And if you accept Christ as your Savior, you can know him in a personal way so that when you go about your life, that's what you really want to boast about. Don't boast about yourself. None of us should boast about ourselves. If we're going to boast, boast in this that we understand and know him, that he is the Lord, and that he exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness in the earth, for in these he delights. That is worth boasting about. Hope is an open ocean, jump in and you'll find the cornerstones, your connection run towards your 
The book of Jeremiah that Pastor Gary has been walking through with you is one of prophecy. It's God's words to a nation that was facing the consequences of their actions. It's a picture of the future, but also a raw and honest look at the present situation. Jeremiah doesn't hide his emotions. And as you continue studying, you'll see his passion for his fellow Israelites and his deep desire that they turn back to God. We hope you'll tune in next time to continue studying this fascinating book with us here on Cornerstone Connection. If you missed any part of today's teaching, you can listen again online at our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. We have a mobile app as well, allowing you to take all of Pastor Gary's messages with you on the go. Find a link to download on our website or search for Cornerstone Chapel in your app store. What a great way to fill your day with truth from God's Word wherever you are. Do you live in the Leesburg area? If so, we want to meet you. You're invited to join us this weekend at Cornerstone Chapel for a time of worship, fellowship, and studying the Bible with Pastor Gary. Our services are at 8.30, 10, and 11.45 a.m. on Sundays, and child care is available. So bring your family. You'll find all the information you need about the church on our website. Again, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's all we have for today in our study of the book of Jeremiah. Thanks for tuning in, and be sure to join us again for Cornerstone Connection. No place to go But still you know